0: everyone So the reading for today comes from Galatians chapter 5, uh, starting at verse 25. Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, If someone is caught in a sin, you, who live by the Spirit, should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfil the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something, when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions." Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. The second reading for today is from 1 John. Chapter three, starting at verse 11. One John three, starting at verse 11. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. And how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son Jesus Christ and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God.
1: Thanks Sarah, beautifully read as always. You can read anytime, my friend. Hey guys, my name is Nick. I'm one of the pastors here at church. Honestly, The biggest privilege of my life is to stand up here and open the Word of God with you. I love it. It's it's honestly the best thing. Today we're looking at a verse, um, very short, very simple, very easy in some ways but actually really important, really, really deep and really central to everything that we believe as Christians and that is this, carry one another's burdens, carry one another's burdens. It's an intrinsic part of the human condition that all of us sit and live with a sense of burden in our life. There's every single human that's ever drawn breath has lived a life that's seen some sort of suffering, seen some sort of trial, some sort of difficulty, encountered pain, relational stress, financial, you know, breakdown and marriages that are falling apart. Everybody has their story. And I actually think there's going to be a few of you sitting here today who right now are sitting with a weight of burden on your shoulders. We can't see it. You're not showing us, but it's there. It's something that every human experiences. And if someone tries to tell you, I've never really felt a burden in life, they're lying to you. Every single one of us has experienced that. The problem is that as Western people, we have this great goal, and that is to be happy. And that's the key to everything that we do as a Western society. We want to cultivate happiness in our life. And the great enemy of happiness is burden. It's pain, it's it's difficulty, it's suffering. So what we do is we try and avoid every scenario that will bring pain and suffering and burden. And when we do have it, we stick a mask on so we make sure no one else knows that we're going through some things. Hey, Nick, how are you this morning? I'm a bit tired, a bit busy, but I'm good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm also very, very good. Actually, my life's falling apart. You know, that's, that's kind of what our society likes to do. We want to present a view, of, a persona of everything being together and perfect, almost like we could fool ourselves into thinking that if we believe it enough, it could happen. But it's just not how it works. Burdens are a part of the human condition, and they're not something that are going to ever be departed from on this side of heaven. The question I have for you sitting here today is, what if burdens are not something to be avoided, but something that God wants to take hold of you with? What if the burdens in your life are a means by which God is shaping you, changing you to be the person you are meant to be? What if you're actually better for them? What if this church, this family is drawn deeper in community and relationship and intimacy with Jesus because we together get to walk this difficult journey of life that comes with burdens? What if we have been given this opportunity to actually show love to each other and carry one another's burdens? What if God is doing something bigger than we could even imagine? I really believe that he is. This is, this is a big thing. It's, it's an easy thing. It's a single sentence, carry one another's burdens, but it's essential. It's essential. It's everything. Everything. So, what I want to do, I want to start big picture and I want to zoom in, get practical towards the end. Don't worry, it won't be too long. Um, but what I want you to encourage you right now, you got a Bible, keep it open. Galatians 6, you're going to need it. All right, cool. I see some people moving, that's good. Galatians chapter 6, that's where we're hanging out. The first thing to say is this burden carrying is our lifeblood burden carrying is our lifeblood. I don't know if you've ever read through some of the letters in the Bible, but sometimes you read through sort of 10, 11, 12 chapters, and you get to the last chapter. And it's kind of like the apostle had all this stuff that he meant to say, but kind of forgot to say it. And so he gets to this last chapter, and he's like, hey, uh, before I forget, don't do this, don't do this, do this, do this, tell this person they're awesome, tell this person, you know, the fire of hell is burning over their head, and that's it. You know what I mean? Like, it just feels like the appendix at the end of the, the, the book. Sometimes we have this tendency to just see, like, those last bits like that. I just want to say, that's not what's going on here, because burden-carrying is our lifeblood. What do I mean by that? I mean Christianity lives and dies on burden-carrying, Every single person has different burdens that they're going to shoulder through life. You're walking your journey, and in in fact, in this passage, it's kind of referred to as a load. Everyone has their load that they're going to have to carry and, and give account to God for. But there is a burden that every single human holds intrinsically within them, and that is a broken and sinful heart. Every single person that's ever drawn breath lives with this sense within them that they are not the person they were meant to be. I don't know your story, but I do know that there are things in your past that you don't want brought to light. I do know that there's things that you're ashamed of. I do know that you are a broken person. And when we lift our eyes and actually gaze upon God in that brokenness, we see an enormous chasm. We see a huge gap that separates us the holy and perfect God and the broken people that we are living in this broken world full of burdens left and right, primarily that is the burden that you and I need to deal with. But ironically, it's the burden that we cannot do anything to deal with. Hence why this is the lifeblood, because this is where Jesus steps into the world. He looks upon you and says, Nick, I see the the burden upon your shoulders that you just cannot bear you can't hold on to anymore. You're being crushed right now and you will be crushed by this burden, but I will come to you and I will take it off your shoulders. I'll put it on my own and I'll take it right to the cross. Hands, feet, crucified, rise to new life. You will have it completely fixed. There's this beautiful verse. I think it's one of the best promises of Jesus. If you haven't heard it before, write this down. Go look at it afterwards. Matthew 11, verse 28. Jesus promises and invites all of us, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. In that inner brokenness, Jesus looks upon you and says, I see everything that you have done, everything that you will do, and I wash it all clean. When I look at you, I don't see the broken, sinful person that you are. I see the person that you were made to be. I see the perfect person of Jesus. And you know what? I'm going to set you free from this slavery that you're living with. You're not going to need to live this life, this pattern that you've been living for for years. I'm going to set you free so you can live a new way. You know that fractured relationship with God that you saw before? Well, guess what? I'm not just going to bridge that chasm and bring you together. I'm going to draw you into the family of God. So you can almost blasphemously say, I am a, a son or a daughter of the living God. God calls me his child, and he will love me in every season. And as you continue to just walk through this mess that we call life, living with burdens upon your shoulders, he says, I have a promise for you. I will make you into the person you were meant to be, and I will take this world and make it into the world it was meant to be. One day you will stand in eternity perfect. And so you can, you can walk this path of burden, because I give you rest. I don't know who in this room needs to hear this right now, but you can't deal with that burden on your own. You need the rest that only Jesus can give, and he invites you to come open hands with nothing to bring to him, and he'll he'll just receive you, and he'll give you that rest. Burden-bearing is our lifeblood. Christianity lives and dies upon this moment where Christ carries our burden. But yet Paul sits here and he says, but actually you guys, you, people who Jesus has has drawn in and loved and offered rest, there's a job for you to do, and that is to live in the way of Jesus. It's time for you to be the people who equally bear the burdens of other people. That's what it means to be a Christian. But you're thinking, but man, I became a Christian. Wasn't all this stuff supposed to be dealt with? Like Jesus, you said, I'll give you rest. I was like, well, I'm feeling some rest, but I still feel pretty tired and you know, life's still pretty hard and I thought everything would be sorted right now. If you've been Christian for more, more than a minute, you're sitting here going, no, no, sometimes it gets harder for being a Christian. Burdens continue to exist in this world. And actually, one of the primary means that God gives us to cope with that is to give you other people. Look to the person next to you and say, I'm a gift to you. You know? You feel a little bit rude saying that, right? But but it's true. In this room right now, we exist as a church, not primarily as a service to go through some music and some Bible readings and some prayers. We exist as a family that God has joined together, and in that family, we have the opportunity to bear one another's burdens. It's the way of Jesus. It's what he's done for us, and it's what he calls us to do. You might think that this is just one of the many things that we're called to do as Christians, but read with me. 6 verse 2, here's what Paul says, carry each other's burdens... And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Like, that's pretty big. You know, carry each other's burdens. It's a really good thing to do, but you should also do nine other things. No, no, no. Carry each other's burdens, and you will fulfill the law of Christ. You will, you will be doing everything that Christ has called you to if you do this. That's huge. It doesn't really make sense to me, but if you, you gaze up in your Bible a little bit, at five, chapter 5, verse 14... The entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbour as yourself. Love your neighbour as yourself. How do you love your neighbour? You carry their burdens with them. The word here for burden is literally just any weight that is too heavy for one person to bear. Don't you love that? We're called to carry each other's burdens in those, those moments that it's too much for someone to bear on their own. Our society says, keep it all to yourself, don't let any of it out, keep the mask on, don't let anyone see that you're sweating, eventually you'll come good, you'll come good. Jesus says, in vulnerability, in honesty, shoulder each other's burdens. Walk this journey of life together. I I heard a story this morning after 8 a.m. church when i preached, someone came up to me and they said, I actually have a friend who became a Christian in the process of their child dying. And I just sat there and thought, Wow. I can't think of one of the more difficult moments in life when, when a young child who's just a gift from the Lord just dies and you're just left in tragedy and suffering and, and you know it's all, equally just an amazing testimony that someone in that moment that's when they come to Jesus and so I, I asked the guy I was like well so what was it that led this guy to become a Christian in this this point of his life and the person I was talking to said well my friend had another friend who who came and just walked the journey from when their their child had died through to the end, I said, yeah, that's going to be powerful, but be like, what, do you, what did he say to, to lead this person to become a Christian, I'm like, I want to write this down, you know, like, this guy, I can't even imagine what to say in a moment just to comfort someone in that space, let alone lead them to Jesus, I said, what did this guy say, what's the silver bullet, how do we, you know, do? and he said, well, it, it, was, it was this, it was in, in the crematorium, they were sitting on a bench, watching this child be cremated, And his friend, who won him to Christ, didn't say a thing. He just wept the entire time. He just cried and cried and cried with them. This isn't a call to have it all together and to, you know, go and fix other people's problems. This is a call to sit in the mess of life with the love of Christ oozing out of us. In this year of loving our neighbour, this is what it means to love our neighbour, to share each other's burdens burden-carrying is our lifeblood. Um, but it's important that we realize that it's also dependent upon the Spirit. So, burden-carrying is life together in the Spirit. Um, you've probably heard Galatians 5 at some point in your life, very famous chapter of the Bible. There's one verse that talks about the fruit of the Spirit. You hear me? You've heard that before? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, peace. Any, heard the song? Anyone? Yeah, I'm getting some nods. Great. Kids songs written all over the place about this chapter. It's very famous and importantly because it's, it's completely filled and saturated with these beautiful truths about what it means to be a Christian. Here's what it is. When you meet Jesus and receive that rest that he offers you, God comes to you and says, I will be with you forever. And he dwells within you in the Holy Spirit. And he says, I'm gonna take you slowly but surely and sculpt you into the person that you're becoming. And it's kind of like a tree that's just, setting its roots down deep in the, in the soil, being nourished by the truth. And as this tree just sits there in the power of the Holy Spirit, it starts to bear fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, fa- all of these good things, right? And it's this moment where we recognize that it's not about us and our strength. It's about the Spirit within us taking hold of us and transforming us in our mess And it's beautiful, but then we get to our section and it kind of gets real practical and it's very easy to just kind of disconnect those two things, but they're not disconnected. I think what's happening here is we're looking at what it means to walk in step with the Spirit together. This is what it means to be alive in the Spirit and to walk in step with the Spirit together. Carry one another's burdens. And this is important because it's not something that you do in your own strength, it's something that the Spirit takes hold of you within. Look with me at verse 25. We had it read beautifully by Sarah. It says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. There's this beautiful truth that we've already covered. The Spirit comes and He he breathes life into you. Apart from the Spirit, you have nothing. It's completely passive. It's a gift that God gives you. But then on the other side, Paul says to you, Since you live by the Spirit, now it's time to keep in step with the Spirit. It's active. It's about aligning your life in the pattern of the Spirit living in his way. And what does that look like? Carrying one another's burdens. The question I have for you is, are you walking in step with the Spirit? Are you walking in step with the Spirit? And this is where it gets a bit challenging because um, the mark of someone not walking in step with the Spirit is really clearly painted for us here. And I think it could be a lot of us. I know at times it's me. Look at me at verse 26, right after talking about keeping in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Verse really easy to go over, but let us not become conceited. It's this, this word that essentially just means having a false view of yourself. Let's not have a false view of the people that we are. And when you do, when you actually misunderstand the person that you are before the living God, that's when you either start to provoke others or envy others. When you provoke others, this is a word that's kind of like a challenge. It's almost like a battle word. It's kind of, you need to prove yourself by going into battle against other people. You build your identity based on who you are and what you do. And so you start to belittle other people to elevate yourself right? It's, a, it's an identity not rooted in Jesus, which is the heart of Christianity. You have nothing to offer, but he gives you everything. Instead, you're trying to win for yourself an identity, almost like proving why you're worthy to breathe. It's just, it's ridiculous, but it's because we have a false view of ourselves. That's one side. That's the obvious, you know, when we talk about someone prideful and arrogant, that's usually what we're talking about. But there's another side of the coin for pride, and it's not provoking others, it's actually envying others, You can equally be proud by looking less upon yourself than you ought to by constantly just demeaning and degrading yourself and actually demeaning the person that god has made you to be and so what you end up doing is just sitting in a back queue looking at all these godly people just thinking man i wish i could be like that i wish i could be so so like godly and prayerful like that person i wish i could you know get up and sing like emma I wish that I could do this or that. I wish that I could read my Bible nine times a day, like Andrew, you know. I just wish that I was this godly person And I think it's kind of coming out of this thing that we've already talked about. Our society says, stick a mask up, pretend that everything's okay, project that things are perfect, that you are perfect, that life is good, and it's kind of infected the church as if it's like a normal way to live, but that's completely antithetical to the way of Jesus. We don't have a false view of ourselves, because when you have a false view of yourself, you can't come in honesty before the grace of God. You're living in your own strength whether it's degrading yourself or elevating yourself. No, true humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Can't claim that one, but it's a good one. True humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking less... Sorry, thinking, <laughs> I always do this. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And that's what it means to be the kind of person that's walking in step with the Spirit. And so Paul has some Has some advice for you in verse 4. Each one should test their own actions. And so I could ask you Paul's holding up the mirror right now, looking into your own life, the way that you live, the way that you function and do faith. Are you someone who lives honestly dependent upon the grace of God? Or are you someone who rests in your own strength? And it's important when it comes to burden bearing because You can't carry someone else's burdens unless you're living in this sort of spiritual maturity that's being directed here. And this isn't a call to do something, to change, you know, nine things that you're gonna change as you walk away from church tonight. No, this this is a moment to come in humility before the Lord and ask him to transform you and to lead you by his spirit. And as he does a work in you, he'll lead you to others. And that's as we start to carry one another's burdens um, I don't know if you've, you know, kept up in the past couple decades with the amount of Christian leaders that seem to be falling like flies based on their moral failure. Um, often it's, you know, well-known churches across the world where some pastor that everyone looks up to who preaches wonderful sermons and people podcast, you know, it turns out that they've been living for years in adultery or, or some other sort of moral failure. Uh, there's been so many of them. And you know what? There's probably 10 times as many in churches that you've never heard of because you're not podcasting their sermons. I think this is a deep problem in our Christianity, and this is the point that I want to make now. Burden-bearing requires vulnerability. We have this poisonous approach to Christianity where we feel like we need to have it all together outwardly, when actually spiritual maturity is not seeming like you are perfect in all of the fruit of the Spirit. It's actually being vulnerable in your sinfulness and in your failure with others, and together Walking that journey of faith by the Spirit. Now, it's a bigger question to think about why does this happen to Christian leaders? But I think that's just a symptom of the problem with all of us. It's time to take off the mask, guys. Like, don't take your masks off. I get in trouble for that. But it's time to take the mask off. It's time to stop living like you know everything is wonderful externally, or even that you are a wonderful godly person, when actually you're struggling deeply with spiritual doubt or you're living in in a a deep sin that you're so ashamed of and you won't tell anyone about. The amount of people that I've seen from externally who seem to be just going hard for Jesus and then it turns out they're addicted to pornography or they, they just cannot kick their habit of drinking too much or their marriage is actually this deeply disunified and, and bad model of what it means to love Jesus, but externally it all looks fine. We can't be those people because that, those aren't the people that are led by the Spirit. That's not the Christian church as we know it. The Christian church is a messy group of sinners who don't have it together, but who treasure the gospel of grace. And who, looking at one another deep in our vulnerability, start to shoulder each other's burdens. And because of each other, we're stronger. We're being shaped in our weakness to be more like Christ. That's the kind of church that shines the glory of Jesus to the world around. No one's interested in a perfect, you know, nicely coordinated church where everyone wears beautiful clothes and looks wonderful, has it all together. You walk into that kind of church and you think, I don't fit in here but you walk into a church full of sinners who own the fact that they're sinners and the grace of Jesus has transformed them, that's the kind of church that wins people to the Lord. That's the kind of church that the Scriptures talk about. That's who we need to be called to be. The word that comes to mind is interdependence. We're interdependent. We need each other. It's not independent, where we're doing that kind of like Lone Ranger Christian, going off conquering the world for Jesus, standing in our own strength, is not dependent Christianity, where you kind of just sit back and, you know, just the sermons aren't very good right now, so I'm not really growing in my faith, you know, if you tell me that afterwards, I'll be offended, okay? You know, it's not this this sitting back and letting others do everything for us, no, it's interdependent. It's an honesty and a vulnerability with, with our failures and our sins, but in a way that invites others to come and shoulder that with us and walk that journey with us, and equally with all of our failures and weaknesses, not being perfect, we step in by the power of the Spirit to the other brother and sister's life, and we shoulder. Their burdens. Can you imagine a church like that? I really believe that this does describe who we are, but there's so much more that the Lord could have for us. This is a whole year dedicated to loving our neighbor. What if we were to, rather than walking away from this sermon with six new programs to sign up to and you know 12 new Bible reading plans you're gonna do this year and all these things that you want to add to your to-do list? What if instead of doing all of that, we just we walk out of this building tonight, hands open? is calling on the Lord, would you lead us by your spirit and make us this kind of community? And then as you get up to leave, you open your eyes and you look at the person across the hall from you and you go, I'm going to commit to them like Jesus has committed to me. I'm going to shoulder their burdens. Not like, you know, the Hulk, you know, taking it off them but, but just walking with them that's the big picture. Very quickly, I just want to talk about three practical things that we can kind of take away to do this better. Again, it's not adding new things to your life and your schedule. It's inviting the Spirit to transform us in what already exists there. Quickly, three things. First one is, and this is a bit jarring, be burdened and be a burden. It doesn't feel right to say that, but, it's, but it's, I think it's really biblical. Be burdened and be a burden. Um, if you're anything like me, you're very happy to step in and help someone when they're obviously in need. You know, if someone comes to you and says, "Hey Nick, I'm really going through this thing right now. You could do this to help me," I'd be like, "Yeah, man, I'll get in there for sure." But then, the moment I start to go through some sort of difficulty, I'm like, "Well, I can't burden other people with my stuff. I'm going to keep that to myself. I'm going to try and shoulder it on my own. I'm going to try and get through." And then, after the fact, once I've dealt with it, then I'm going to open up and be honest, be like, "Yeah, I went through this time, but the Lord really carried me through." But it's actually me just kind of resting in my own strength, right? There's this this one side of the coin where we're very happy to be the, you know, the person standing up from heaven, reaching down to the sinners, helping them out in their sin, but when it comes to us, we're unwilling to open ourselves up and be a burden. That's not right. We need to be willing to let others to step into our mess and be a part of it. But equally, it might be the other way around for you. You might be someone who is very happy for people to step in and help you in your mess, but you're actually just sitting back passively. This is a call to step in and actually carry each other's burdens, And it's an opportunity for the Lord to use you in another person's life. It's a beautiful opportunity. Be burdened and be a burden. Secondly, know others and be known. Know others and be known. Um, You can't know the needs and the burdens in someone's life unless you really actually know them. If your approach to church is to come in here, sit down, consume the service, hang around maybe for five minutes, exchange small talk, and then leave, but not actually go into any sort of depth of relationship knowing another person deeply and being known deeply, there's no opportunity for doing that. This is a call to community, to to real relationships, to honesty and vulnerability. You don't need to be best friends with someone to be honest, but it's that moment where you ask a good question and genuinely care about the answer. And it's that moment when someone asks you how you're going, when you're honest and vulnerable and you invite others to step in. This is a culture thing. It's not a new thing to do, but if we were to start taking hold of this, the burden and the, the knowing, it would start to change the way we do church together. And lastly, we want to pursue spiritual friendship. Pursue spiritual friendship. I really do believe that these verses here give a wonderful picture of what spiritual friendship could look like, of people who love Jesus committing to others in friendship. Um, it's this picture of what it could look like if you were to not just um, be friends like the world is, but friends like Jesus Um, You know, Jesus was friends with the sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the lowly, the ones that everyone else didn't care about. He just said, I know you've got nothing to really to offer me, but I'm going to go and actually be a part of your life. And it turns out that you can shoulder my burden. There's so many stories where the Pharisees are accusing Jesus of hypocrisy because he's having dinner with these sinners. It's actually, he's, he's being a burden to these sinners. He's allowing them to care for his physical needs, to feed him and to clothe him and to give him shelter. Jesus, the son of God, was willing to be a burden. And he pursued this sort of friendship with the people that you wouldn't expect. Our world says, be friends with people with mutual interests who make you feel good. And when they stop making you feel good, stop hanging out with them. That's not spiritual friendship. Spiritual friendship is being deeply involved in mess together, the messiness of life, and committing to each other. But notice the word spiritual, and this is where I think this passage really comes into the the fore. It's not just about these big external crises of life, money, marriage, divorce, whatever. It's actually caring deeply about the other's soul more than their comfort. Read verse 1 with me. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. The the only example here that Paul gives of, of burden bearing is a spiritual one. Of actually leaning into someone in their sin and saying something. So I think spiritual friendship is going to require us to stop kind of dancing around the hard issues when you know that your friend is living a life that they shouldn't be living and we, don't, we keep quiet because it's just a bit uncomfortable to have that conversation. Or maybe, you know, we just don't feel like we've earned the right to speak into that yet, but it's been 14 years and, you know, when are you going to have that right? No, no, this is a call to value someone's sanctification over their comfort to prioritize a deep and close intimate relationship with the Lord lived out in all of life over having a good time and sharing a nice meal over a game of cricket, whatever you're into. Spiritual friendship cares deeply about the other, carries each other's burdens. I don't know, who are the people that God's already put in your life? Friends, family, colleagues, literal neighbors, networks of people. What would it look like for you to lean in to pursue that sort of friendship, spiritual friendship? I think God might use you powerfully, maybe in ways you don't expect. What if that was us as a church, leaning into deeper relationship with one another, willing to step into some hard moments, actually speak some hard words to each other? But What might God do is he just shapes us and leads us. I'm expectant. Can I pray over us? Is that all right? Let me pray to finish Father Almighty, it is a deep privilege to be a part of the church because you have joined us with so many people that are unlike ourselves. It really is the beauty of this church that you join sinners and and people from all walks of life. God, would you take hold of us as a 6 p.m. family and would you lead us to live these verses? Would we be a community that walks in step with the Spirit living a humility that doesn't seek to honour ourselves or demean ourselves, but just to live in the grace of Jesus and in that space to carry one another's burdens? Would you be just shaping us in ways we don't expect? Would you be bringing new people into our family that we don't even know yet, that we're willing to step into their lives and walk with them? God, would you make us a church that lives and breathes this? Would you make us more and more like Jesus, the man who loved his neighbour so beautifully? We ask that you would do all of this in his name. Amen.